0: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors. Drive with peace of mind. 041 983 1100.
1: You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of uh, people and guests to talk to this afternoon for the next couple of hours. If you'd like to get in touch with us on the show, 86 658 by text or WhatsApp, or you can call in now on 1850 I'm really sad today, I have to tell you, and I'm in shock still, disbelief, unexpected. I can use any amount of words to describe the news that Philip McCabe has passed away i heard about it on saturday and i'd only heard very recently that he was actually unwell but philip what a man he was he was just unbelievable i knew him going back many many years first when i played badminton as a teenager philip was coaching badminton then then we worked together in pnt uh, telecom aircom and came back into contact with him again when i an amateur beekeeper started to keep bees and of course philip the Diane of bees uh, was was really so supportive and always encouraging every time I met him. He's gone, but he's left an enormous legacy and so many people have been touched with by Philip in their lives. Uh, among those, the beekeepers, of course. And I'm joined on the line now by the former Secretary of Loud Beekeepers Association, uh, Tom Shaw. Afternoon, Tom.
2: Good afternoon, Jerry.
1: Tom, uh, you heard the news like myself over the weekend. It's hard to to really take it in, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, it was a shock. I got phone call from a from a friend in a fellow beekeeper on saturday morning and philip died earlier on the saturday morning and it was a great shock because i knew he hadn't been too well but i didn't realize he was so unwell
1: you knew him going back and of course he was a big part of uh, your organization the county loud beekeepers how would you describe him or sum him up tom
2: Uh, he was just tremendous like philip he filled all the roles. He did everything. He he started out as a member of County Loud and then he became the chairperson of County Loud. He was the P.R.O. for County Loud. He was also in the Federation of Irish Beekeepers. He was there, eventually became the president of that. He was the P.R.O. for that. And then eventually he became the president of Appamundia, which is the president of beekeepers worldwide. But he always, he would turn up at the county loud meetings, whenever you needed a lecture, he would give a lecture, and of course he was a tremendous speaker, and he obviously had a great regard for his dad, because no lecture from Philip ever excluded his father. He'd always have an antidote, something really witty that his father would say or do in the days before Varroa, but he'd be... So missed, you know, it's hard to explain how important he was in the beekeeping world.
1: What an honour he brought to County Loud beekeepers to rise to the very top of beekeeping in the world, Tom.
2: Yes, in the world. He, he became president of APAMundi. He went, he represented Ireland in, in, and Fibica, which is the federation, in South Africa in 2014. And he made such an impression that he convinced them that the next Appamundia would be in Ireland, which was a great distinction for Appamundia because the first time it was in the British Isles. Yeah. And he he brought it and then eventually became the president of it, which was a singular uh, achievement for an Irishman, you know.
1: And we're going to hear in a few moments an extract from an interview I had with Philip, a lovely conversation we had back in 2017. But, you know, he was passionate about bees and the environment and that if we didn't wake up and smell the coffee quickly, humanity on this planet was in trouble.
2: Oh, that's true. But Philip was first and foremost a beekeeper. He never lost touch with his bees. And he had a lot of bees. But he was first and foremost his bees was his passion and his love and he was he was always available. I dunno how he managed. He was such a busy schedule. I dunno how he managed but, but County Loud would only have to say, Philip, would you give a lecture in February? Yeah, well you know, no question about it. He just do it.
1: He he was like that, though, Tom, all his life. As I said there in the introduction, I knew him uh, from sport, badminton. I knew him from my work life as well in the telecoms. And he was a man, I I don't know how he got time in the day to fit in everything. He was amazing. He was a dynamo, as I've said, all weekend.
2: He was, and his lectures were a pleasure. You know, everyone loved when Philip would be given a lecture because he would mix it with his dad. Beekeeping. He he would say he didn't intend to do it, but as he was giving the lecture, something would, and then he'd say, Well, now we were in Monaghan or we were wherever, and then it'd the, be a lovely antidote, and always very witty and enjoyable.
1: I, I remember one time, you may have been at it, he was telling us about somebody who got stung by bees on purpose. Oh, do you remember that oh one? Oh
2: my God, he told that two or three times, and I could listen to it again. It was advice on strapping your hives down if you were transporting them. And he told us the story where a friend of his and the son decided to move the bees. They didn't wait for Philip to move the bees and to put the bees in the, in the station wagon in the back. And they were going up this laneway and there was cows and your man had to brake fast. And the bees came out. The son of this unfortunate man was three weeks in hospital. But the cows got stung, and they were jumping through hedges. And the cows wouldn't go down that road for about another. Yes. uh, Six weeks apparently, but you'd need Philip to tell you. It, but... yeah
1: God, I can remember that that stinging incident and what yeah. happened. That poor man and 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 the hives and, and as you mentioned, the cows <laughs> being yeah, the wary house. of ever the quite...
2: It was so... one of the real funny stories. through hedges, he yeah. said, and the cows wouldn't come down that lane for about three or four weeks oh, afterwards. Oh my
1: God! And, and that's just one. As you said, he was a great raconteur and he yeah. could really tell a story. And do you, do you remember when he went to set the world record where he appeared covered? Yeah than these thousands of bees.
2: I have that on film because I I was at it and he was covered in bees from head to toe.
1: He was. It was an incredible uh, thing he did. You know uh, what I mean? It too.
2: is done, but it takes an extremely brave person. But his confidence was such that he trusted his bees mm. and he prepared for it. And I think 40 beehives were opened uh, to put, uh, you know... Um, the, the queen on, on him and it, so the bees were attracted to this Yes, and he was just covered in head to toe all you could see is a pair of eyes
1: yeah that's, that's a fact it was Philip's eyes in oh, the yeah. middle of a mass of bees mass which of was bees. his body his body suit yeah.
2: And some went up his nose. He forgot to stuff his oh nose and he God. still stood there and he did it. He did. He did. He was a
1: yes. real trooper. He really, really was. Yes. But I remember when I was keeping the bees myself and coming into contact with him a number of times. And we used to get the little monthly newsletter from the Federation. And he always had a lovely column in there he yes. wrote about, you know.
2: Well, he was P.R.O. for the Federation after... And his articles were always interesting, Mm. but where he got the time, he was a tremendous man, and I know I'm repeating myself, but County Loud, he was proud to be a member, attended every AGM, and any time we wanted him to lecture, he, he just said yes, he didn't sort of say, well, I'm too busy now and don't call me or any of that, we never heard that from him.
1: Oh, absolutely! He'd never, he'd never, ever say no, Tommy. He'll be missed. He will really, and his legacy will live on.
2: His legacy will live on, but his 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 lectures are gone, and that'll be a huge loss. Hmm. But his contribution will last. And he, remember, he's the first Irish man to be president of the World Organization of Beekeepers. So he's respected not just in Ireland but all across the world. People will miss him.
1: Yes, and I actually called out to the, the house last night and the amount of people that were there and remembering him fondly was unbelievable. And a friend of Mary's was telling me that they were actually due to go to the Middle East shortly on the invitation of one of the the princes out there who was a, a, a really keen beekeeper. So he yeah. touched everywhere around this globe.
2: Oh, yeah, he went everywhere. Yeah, and he was, did. And... He was sought after because mm. he, he was a communicator. He had the gift of communication and made beekeeping so interesting. People listened to him and suddenly wanted to become beekeepers.
1: Absolutely. He did vaguely and he had that about him, that is for yes. sure. Tom, lovely words today. Thank you for well, taking sad time. It's a day and we're sorry
2: and poor Philip will be buried tomorrow and we'll miss him.
1: We'll miss him greatly. Tom really? Shaw, yeah. thank you so much indeed for joining me today to yeah. uh, say those lovely words about Philip McCabe. And I just want to say, uh, pass on my sympathies to uh, Philip's wife, Mary, uh, to his children, Aidan, Deirdre, Gregory and Kira. Uh, all the uh, family. You know, Martha was there last night as well, the grandchildren, his brothers and sisters and We're really sorry to hear of his passing. He was a great man, and we need to celebrate his life in his passing as well today. And with that in mind, I enjoyed a lovely conversation with Philip back in April 2017. And here's an extract from that day, and we'll podcast the full interview after the show. You can hear the whole lot. It's brilliant, I promise you. It'll be there on lmfm.ie. But in this extract, Philip is putting into context the loss of bees and insect life in Ireland.
3: Well, now, I'll tell you, Jerry. when people ask me to explain, what are you talking about? When you talk about neonicotinites and chemicals, it's a question I get regularly. So I refer to the, what called well, the windscreen bug test. Now, that's a very good way to describe it. Well, what is that? Well, I'd say 10 years ago, Jerry, if you and I were to drive from Dublin to Galway on a hot summer's day, you, you'll remember this as well. You're not that old. You're, yeah. you're a young fella. <laughs> you know, <Thanks. laughs> you'll remember that. Well, if you're driving across Ireland, when you get to Galway 10 years ago, you'd, the first job you'd have to do is was wash your windscreen. That's right. Look at your radiator or your headlights. Well, you can drive around Ireland ten times now, and you never have to wash your car at all. There are no dead bugs. It's not only honeybees. It's not only honeybees. All the other insects are disappearing as well. So something is causing it. Now that same applies in many countries. Uh, On Sunday, on what day is this? This Is Monday? I forget where I am. Half Monday. On Saturday, I was in Newcastle in England, and last weekend I was in Bucharest in Romania and in, in last Wednesday I was in Germany in Berlin talk with the Minister for Agriculture and the Minister of Agriculture for Germany the man next to, two steps out from Angela Merkel said to me he says how bad is the situation it's really bad in Germany and for, but for him to get an understanding I explained the windscreen bug test Yes, and then the penny dropped It's the simplest thing and for everybody listening today shall we know what you're saying and you are right no, the that is are. gone so it's just not bees it's the whole, the whole, the whole ecosystem in, Correct bumblebees even the water down but all other insects like right, the solitary bees hoverflies, ladybirds, they're, they're gone. There's a few of them so around. So here's my question to you.
1: You got to the ear of uh, high in the German government there. What about at home here? What about in other European countries than that? America? Are people
3: listening? Oh, they are. They're listening. You see, when I'm addressed, usually, I'm not on the, car- the Christmas card list for a whole lot of companies at the moment, but... Don't worry about that, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm saying what it is. So, when I, when I was in Serbia, I had the ministers from Ser- from Serbia and Slovenia, agricultural ministers, as who I normally meet. It's the agriculture, horticulture. Ministers, you'll meet. Also, the environment. In Slovenia, you also get the prime ministers, you know. And in Turkey, you get the prime. Where I as well? I, I meet him. I've met him at uh, times as well. But uh, this, uh, like, this is what who I be talking to. In Ireland, they don't even know who I am, which is a kind of a great, it's mm. kind of an ironic twist. But in other countries, Appomundia and the beekeeping industry is such a big industry. When I start telling them how things are bad and why they're so bad and what's causing them, they sit up and they take notice. And they actually are now looking at a whole new way of doing business over there in relation to the the chemicals. Because the Food Safety Authority, European Food Safety Authority, ban, banned three of them here in the last That's number of right. years. The ban is still in place temporarily. now, But the people are In fact, in in, the UK, there was still even the European Union, but at the moment, they're trying to get the ban lifted in the UK. And it looks like the government are going to lift the ban on some of these things. And this will be a major disaster for the beekeepers. It'll be a major disaster for the honey industry, for the honeybee, and for the environment. Context it again. Bees and mankind. Humanity. Yeah, Yeah, well, it's one third. But a third and a half of the food we all eat is pollinated by insects. And 70% of that is done by honeybees. So that'll give you a scale. In America, uh, from the middle of January to the middle of March, one point two million beehives are acquired in California just to pollinate almonds. So there's, there's a whole industry there. Apples, kiwi, lots of the fruits that we eat—they're all all there, need pollination, and they are disappearing. In fact, in some parts of the world, particularly in Indonesia uh, and the southern southern lagu regions, the price of fruit is now going up because. It's, not there. It's, there's, there's, there's less fruit now available than there was, would say, a number of years ago. And they're trying to figure it out. In America, there's this thing called colony collapse disorder where the bees collapse. Yes. Now, in, actual, in, actual, in fact, my dad used to say to me, when I was a young fella, will you, be a bee, will you be a beekeeper or a keeper of bees? And there's a subtle difference. The beekeeper understands the bees. The keeper of bees makes money out of the bees without really understanding what the bees is about. So if you, the beekeepers in America, and I know lots of them, lots of good friends, and they write to me and tell me what's going on, There's certain parts of America where certain crops are failing because there's no bees to pollinate them now. And in China, things are so bad at the moment with honey. They are now giving people pollen in jars and a paintbrush to paint the pollen onto the flowers, physically, one by one. You have to see this to believe it. But they have the population and they have the people. They're glad to get the few pounds, whatever but it is. But they haven't the bees. They haven't the bees. But they're bringing in pollen from other countries and then they're graining the pollen down to powder again and they're painting it onto the flowers with a little brush.
1: But you know what you're telling me? I'm just really concerned. I had bees, as you know, myself <laughs> sure. for a while and I, 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 they're just fascinating creatures and what they do, the story of them is unbelievable.
3: I'm really worried today. Oh, absolutely, to people are people are worried. And like when I met that minister in Germany, Mister Schmidt, the minister of agriculture, like I had about a ten minute talk with him, and he w- he was totally amazed at what I was telling him. He he didn't realize it was as bad. Now I have to put in a little plug here for myself, Jerry. On the twenty third of June, we're having a, fo- a forum here in in. in um, the Mind Valley Hotel with Prince Albert of Monaco. Prince Albert of Monaco is kind of an ambassador for biodiversity for us and he's, a, he's done fantastic work for us. And that sort of level, when, we talk, when I talk to him and we talk in the European Parliament, indeed, Mairead McGuinness, our local MEP, was a huge help to us in, in, in the Parliament in relation to the whole pollination thing. And, and more of our MEPs now are picking up on it and they're talking about it. And it's getting a little bit more uh, attention than it was in the past. But then you have the chemical companies on the other side who don't want to hear us at all. Because we're saying that, the, you're, you're, that, that's, that most recent heritage we have gone through there. It's a crazy thing altogether. Well, all the cutting of the ditches uh, and
1: that. And the mad. argument that was
3: put up is for road safety. Like a, I, I give an example of a man who had 60 acres. Now, there was three uh, acres along the road had road frontage. But from the 1st of August, like, he'll be able to cut everything down Right over the whole sixty acres. Never mind the front road. The front road, you, if there's danger to the front road, and you're cutting hedges for safety, nobody has No a problem, problem. Not at all. You even. I even have. While well, I have difficulty with it, I can understand a farmer removing a hedgerow to to make his field bigger for agricultural use, which is understandable for the farmer's by the But when he cuts the hedges down to leave stumps or like brush handles sticking up in the middle of the field, that there's nothing for birds or bees or insects of any kind. I can, can't get my head around the justification for that. Either let it grow up, and we have some benefit to, to, to biodiversity, but removing it down to, all oh, you have these brush handles, as I call them, standing up, and nothing on them. So it's there's terrible. nothing in them. Let me ask, before we head to a break, in
1: terms of the chemical companies, are a huge lobby, they have mm. the ear of, of oh, and they have the money. and they have money, of course. That was the next thing I was going to say. Is there um, nature-friendly sprays that can be used? Are there alternatives or is the alternative nothing? And Because I'm sure the farming community are listening today and saying, Philip, what about the blight on the spuds? What about the
3: rust on the crops? All that has to be dealt with. Yeah, there there, there are crops there, you see, but the, 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 the economy of scale dictates that if somebody can get something to spray that is economical and is cheap and is fast and is efficient and it's going to save the farmer money, the farmer's concerned about himself or herself. The bigger picture they're not, in my opinion, and I'm not being disrespectful to them, they don't really see the bigger picture here. Now, some of them are beginning to see it. In fact, in fairness, a lot of them begin to see it. And I have a lot of farming organisations, funny, not in Ireland, but in other countries, I have farmer organisations coming to me and saying, listen, can we sit down and talk to you? What can we do here? And then we sit down and we have a chat. I would rather talk to them and explain and get their feedback and give them my feedback. And it works that way. And they're looking at alternatives. And indeed, some of the chemical companies, to give them a bit of credit, we'll not let them on, they'll say to us as well, look, it's What can we do here? Change? That's what I'm saying. Is there an alternative? Well, there is. There are alternatives, but the trouble is they're not so cost effective.
1: Yes, Philip McCabe speaking to me. Hard to believe that I'm saying he's gone today. Back in April 2017. Lovely interview, and we're going to podcast that interview in its entirety on lmfm.ie after the show today. Ah, poor Philip says a listener today. Love to hear him talking about the bees and nature. I just can't believe it, Jerry. Will you please say sorry to his family? I am sure he's at home in heaven, and that's a lovely comment. Thank you indeed for sending that to us there, and again to Mary and his children and family. We extend our sincere sympathies from everybody here on LMFM Radio.
0: The late lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer with over two hundred and fifty quality used cars in stock. There's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at BlackstoneMotors.ie. Jerry, what did you get up to at the weekend?
1: I didn't do an awful lot, to be honest, which I tipped around the garden, brought the dog for a walk, but I had one massive highlight. Went to see Jules Holland in oh, the Three Arena on Saturday Jules evening. Love Jules Holland.
0: <gasps> love him, love him, love him. Well,
1: Sinead, I have to say, I've been to the Three Arena on a number of occasions to see many, many uh, wonderful, wonderful performances. But I, ha- I would have to say that Saturday night probably topped the lot. It and was the whole that
0: place good? Full of ca- capacity. Oh my whole- god.
1: What they do is you know what they can do now? You know the upper deck of the, of mm. the three arena and you have the lower? They have now a uh, l well, I think it must be a curtain effect or something that closes off the top, the whole bottom was full. There was four thousand at it, which would be his type of audience. And actually, do you know what it felt like? You were at a gig in a pub. Oh, you know, nice if you one, get yeah, that yeah. feeling in, in in a big arena like with four thousand yeah. people. He was simply outstanding, and you know who was with him? Mark Ammons from Soft Cell.
0: Oh, brilliant! Sang-
1: the place went wild, and actually, he's collaborated with Jules on a new album that's coming out in November, and they sang some of the songs. Sounds brilliant, and the wonderful Ruby Turner. Oh, she, she had she to there! Belted them out. Oh my God! Seventeen uh, musicians, you know, brass section, percussion, oh, you name it, on the, and him on his his piano. Oh, he's, he's a oh, genius. Real. He's a, a genius. genius. He's yeah, just yeah, yeah. a genius. And it was one of the best concerts I've ever, ever, ever been at. If he ever comes back again, I highly recommend him to you because uh, it was the first night, actually, of his autumn-winter tour. He opened in Dublin Oh, nice uh, with the first night. Mm. So it was just, just terrific. I really enjoyed it. But hey, what about next year, 5th of July? Will he be in your tickets? Is it Thursday? They're on I sale. I
0: really won't be. I didn't like them the first time around. Oh, no. I don't like them this he time You didn't like Westlife? No, no. Oh, the boys. Big oh, when I was boys. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't like them now. No. But, like, no. <laughs> Uh, boys' own were the ones initially, and take that, obviously as well yeah. for me. But no, Westlife just it was just a boy okay, band so too much for me. Y-
1: you won't be, no. you won't be ordering tickets no. anyway. But you were busy yourself. Were you the weekend? you I were out was. and about. I saw pictures of you. You're a great woman for the walking and the outdoors. Yes, and
0: I love when it's at this time of the year. You see, you have the crisp autumn weather. But I was out with the kids to blow off the cobwebs. Stephenstown Pond have never been, and I know it's only up the road. No
1: way, and Jose. They always,
0: uh, you know, send me stuff about things that is happening yeah. out there. It's gorgeous. Mm. And Jerry, the best thing about it, not only, right, are you in the fresh air, it's local, it's up the road. You've a gorgeous picturesque lake. You've ducks. Killian was entertained throwing stones <laughs> into the flipping part of the water and the best thing about it is it's completely free. It's
1: free and there are lots and lots of free things yes. uh, to be done and to be had around. and actually we're going to be talking about it shortly because Siobhan O'Neill-White from Mams.ie is joining us mid-term coming up next week and of course parents are always looking for things to do how do we keep yeah. them busy what's on Siobhan has lots for us and what's on and we will be talking about the freebie stuff as well and we want to give you the chance to tell us to pass on your experience like Sinead did yes. about Stephen's turn mm-hmm. is there something for me Midterm that's free, yep. that you would uh, recommend to other listeners today on LMFM Radio's Late Lunch? We want to hear from you. What's to be done next week that's free for children now they're off school? Where would you take them? Or even if there's a few euro and if you have to pay for it as well, we'll take recommendations. Get them into us now. What's on for midterm that you recommend for, uh, that you've experienced with your children? 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. Or you can call in now on 1850 715 958. Midterm on the way next week what do you do with them how do you keep them occupied what's on it's a, an annual dilemma for parents but the woman who has all the answers and solutions and knows herself from her own crew is with us on late lunch today and I'll remind you again if you have something you want to suggest to us for midterm get in touch with us now 086 1800 658 by whatsapp or text or 1850 715 if you'd like to call in hello I'll say again to hmm. Siobhan O'Neill White from MAMS.ie yep welcome to Thank the show. You. It, is, it is a thing. You've been a mother and with them all at you to do this, oh, want yeah. this. It, it just comes up all the time, oh God, doesn't I it? I plan
4: ahead. I mean, I have four children. So I literally, I was I was at a work thing yesterday and I come home and I'm not joking yet. Mom, 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 mom. ma, they literally all wanted to ask me questions at the same time. I felt like, how am I going to quarter myself? So you have to plan ahead. But the good thing is there's a heap of stuff on in the next couple of weeks. And there's really great stuff on for every age group.
1: Okay, well, let's start with the bigger children and teens. You want to mention something. And I know about this myself. It's fantastic, isn't it? Dublinia. Dublinia.
4: It's amazing. It's, they're doing this whole thing, um, medieval Dublin. Uh, there's this chancer, and then there's all these stories about grave diggers. I mean, if my 15-year-old son, who hates the world sometimes... Um, as they do at 15 uh, except when he's winning on his playstation Uh, (laughs) if he says that was class well I can tell you if you have a teenager that is class and my brother-in-law who's 42 was like that was a great day out Dublinia is brilliant I really highly recommend it for the older kids there is a festival on called Spirits of Mead and that's a part of Ireland's Ancient East and there's loads of activities and there's free stuff there too. That's running right up until the 4th of November, the Sunday, so for the whole way through the midterm break.
1: Okay, so that's... And another one I just spotted that you're suggesting to us for teenagers is the Leisureplex and there's yeah, an offer on there. Great
4: offers. There's loads of them. Um, €25 Euro for 90 minutes of bowling for four people. So now four teenagers, you could plank them off let them bowl for an hour and a half and away you go. Or if you have a small child as well, they're doing five euro um, coffee mornings for parents and toddlers for a fiver and you get your coffee and off for three hours. Okay. So really good value for money. And I like, see I live in Eastmead, we're in Drahada, a lot of people like me have moved from Dublin to these parts and on the midterm break we go back to Dublin to see the grannies so the Leisureplex is a brilliant place That because my, my mother-in-law is actually an award-winning bowler so we will be going there I'm not joking she has more trophies <laughs> but we will actually be going there ourselves next week so I can personally tell you that is a great place to go Well you
1: know in. we used to go there before there was any and there is local bowling we of have to say as well is, all course. around the northeast that you can avail of yeah. of course and we want to mention all of the course. bowling alleys that are there on your Look doorstep for
4: offers everywhere Yeah
1: uh, but but I, I will say I remember Leisure Flex going there when there were no facilities here mm. driving to it and they were sort of the early yeah, into the bowling of that. I go to the cinema there Did you? I yeah, saw Spice
4: yeah. World there Oh my it's God It's one of the first films Expunge that from uh, your memory Come here I, Please my, my two sisters constantly try to forget that I pre-booked tickets but Denise and Kate I will never let you forget that So
1: Siobhan O'Neill White exclusively on Late it's Lunch uh, on LMFM uh, this afternoon Which <laughs> of the Spice Girls are you?
4: Uh, I'd have to be baby I suppose because uh. I'm blonde although my face is aging naturally <laughs> So, and let's continue with the laughter lines. I'm going to embrace my laughter lines. I'll be more like pink, I think. Let them come.
1: Now, let's talk about Halloween itself and yes. pumpkins. Yeah,
4: pumpkins. Oh, so Pumpkin Patch, Super Bounce, who we all know. They're a local bouncy castle company. They have teamed up with the Colin War Museum. And you can bring your kids over there and they can. there's about... There's like loads of big bouncy castles. They can bounce for two hours. Can you imagine how knackered, right? (laughs) And then they get to pick a pumpkin and you bring your pumpkin home. So they get to bounce, get knackered, get pumpkin, come home and then hopefully go to sleep. Calv the pumpkin,
1: keep the innards and make pumpkin pie or pumpkin, soup or whatever you want to do with it. it. Yeah, Yeah, do something with it. it. And that's happening at the War Museum in Cullen, is not it?
4: Yeah, and and that's great. You can book that online. So um, there's and it's on like there's loads of different time slots. There's plenty of availability, although it is booking out, obviously. So like if you're going to go, pick your day and book it now.
1: Now, cinemas all over in uh, Meath and Loud, Drodden and Mm -hmm. Dock, Navin, Ashbourne, etc. They're all geared up for this week as well, aren't they?
4: Yeah, my kids went to see johnny english at the weekend and when and i didn't go i cut off Thank i got away with it they i swear my 11 year old wants to go again they said it was so funny so absolutely funny they loved it so i think children maybe from the ages of six seven eight nine ten eleven they really enjoyed it okay i took mine to see the, the house with a clock in its walls bit scary so i think for the older children for like maybe from like 10 up mm. um because there is a few like my seven-year-old was like oh can i sit on your knee Mammy? i'm thinking you're a bit big for that now love but go on anyway <laughs> So there was a few now but it was very good so and they'll have their movie mornings and they'll have their family combos and all that kind of stuff look for the offers you know arc does a good uh family combo but look for the morning ones as well they'll do movie mornings as well so if you get up in the morning and it's raining or something at you know ten or eleven, go down and watch a movie.
1: I have to tell you about scares from an adult point of view. Myself and Louise tipped over to pharmaphobia the other night. Mm. I'm still not the better of it.
4: I, my my thirteen year old wants to go. I said, oh, "There's not a
1: chance I'm taking her." Oh, she won't. For the
4: older kids, yes. For, for, for older teenagers, grant. Uh, but were you frightened?
1: What I was. <laughs>
4: Did you ever do the walking tours, like the Bram Stoker walking tours around Dublin? <laughs> no. You can do these walking tours, the Bram Stoker Festival on, loads of it is free. And you're walking around and they're telling you this, that, the other, history, and then the next thing someone jumps out behind you, well, like, it's brilliant, but it does scare the bejesus out of uh, yeah, you. Yeah,
1: well, I can tell you, pharmaphobia yes. does that by the spadeful as but well.
4: loads of stuff for the younger kids. Okay, go, go on, let's hear about, them, about yeah. that
1: because we've been talking about teens yeah, and so older teens children. teens
4: kind of covered. Um, so there's uh, lots of stuff on Indrahead Arts. They have the Lano Festival going on next week and there's uh, things for babies, things for smaller children. There's one called Catch a Star, which looks absolutely gorgeous on the 1st of November. That looks beautiful. That's a really good one to look out for. Um we have our coffee morning in the marshes on the 1st of November and the kids can come in their fancy dress and there'll be a prize for the... Bath. Listen, I say best dress. They're all going to get something because yeah. I couldn't do that. One for I, everyone
1: in the audience. I can't it's pick. Always. It's too mean.
4: Uh, Lego bricks. And I'm very passionate about this because girls tend not to do the sciencey subjects as much as the boys. So Lego bricks is, is midterm camp where they teach kids maths and science and engineering t- and technology through Lego. Now, the kids don't know that they're doing STEM learning through Lego the kids just think I'm doing Lego yes it's really really good so Bricks for Kids Loud is the website there and you can still book places for that it's we've had them at a couple of our coffee mornings they're very good they're all very well trained very educated they really know what they're doing like I know it's just it's just Lego mmm but actually, it's very clever.
1: We spoke to them on Late Lunch last yeah, week, so there, we did. Steve and and the guys. yeah, they're yeah, absolutely we spoke brilliant. to them, and and they're really interesting people. And if you, yeah. if you want to send your children to something a little different, yes. that's the one to consider. Re- it, it is good it because really is. it is a
4: little bit different. What else we,
1: for the littleies or the smaller right, ones? Well,
4: Wild Lights at Dublin Zoo starts oh stop don't get
1: me started on that (laughs) I went last year with Ava my granddaughter to it Mm -hmm. and it's absolutely let me say I want to give it a five star rating out of five
4: I can't wait because I couldn't go last year so we were actually invited to go on the opening night and I couldn't go it's something else on so my aunt went my, my aunt went with the kids instead of me she still hasn't stopped talking. She keeps going to me, is that why light's coming back? So that starts on the thirtieth of October and every review I heard about that was fabulous. I can't wait. We are booked into that. We are definitely definitely. Well I going have to that.
1: say it's brilliant because you see the zoo at night in mm. the darkness from an entirely different perspective. Yeah. And the display they put on with the animals and yeah. the themes they have running mm. through it. You love it. I, I can't promise wait. You.
4: Like I I something so different, I can't wait. Then we have to talk about the free stuff. So your local shopping centre is going to have free things. So the ILAC shopping centre has life-size superheroes on the mall. So if your kid is into like their Spider-Mans and their superheroes and their Ironmans and whatever, they can go and have their pictures taken with their heroes. Mm. There's going to be good uh, giveaways and all that kind of stuff. Pavilions is having um dress up. So the kids come dressed up and there's a ghoulish theme going on on Halloween afternoon. I'm going to be there myself with the kids. They're dressing up. There's going to be prizes and all that kind of stuff uh, Millfield is going to have stuff as well there's going to be you know get the kids dressed up it, see in the afternoon you can dress them up you can bring them down to your local shopping centre there'll be colouring in there'll be face painting there'll be free things so if you are on a budget just go down go down to your local shopping centre there will be something there for it'll you it'll be
1: going on but, yeah, next week
4: ILAC, Marshes you know uh, Pavilions Lawrence they will all be doing stuff they'll all have something on because they want you to come in that day with the kids if you want to have a little break because the kids are off school for a week, and it's a time of year when a lot of families go. Sure, look, we'll go up, we'll head off somewhere for two days. If you have maybe smaller children and you don't want to travel too far, uh, the Pillow Hotel in Ashburn has brilliant Halloween uh, deals. Now, I was in there on Friday. I drove past that hotel, I'd say a hundred times, because my kids play Gaelic in Ashburn all the time, and I said, you know what, I'm going to actually go in. The whole place is decorated for Halloween. It's class, and they and I was like. I didn't even know you had a pool here. Like it's gorgeous, so that's really nice. And then Fota Island Resort has actually built a Halloween spooky town. They have to, they have built a whole village in their resort that you can walk through. It's a spooky town. Now they're very clear. You can bring toddlers. Nothing's going to jump out and bite you. But it's the whole atmosphere and it's the things in the trees and it's the whole. The whole vibe of it, and again, there's a pool there as well. photo is is just a beautiful, beautiful okay, hotel. Okay, and
1: that's an option. We just had yeah. a, a contact to say yeah. hi, Jerry. Will you just give it a mention? I, I love it. The Battle of the Boyne Visitor Centre in Oldbridge are doing haunted Halloween tales Very good. Uh, on the thirty first of October. That is the big day, the thirty first yes. of October. It's from twelve to three, and it's free, free, free. free that's says great, and it's
4: in the daytime. It's in the daytime, yes. so
1: twelve to three, uh, Oldbridge at the visitor centre Halloween Tales Mm. bring them out there it won't cost you a dime
4: good and, and and also I always say this your local library will always have something on and there will always be lists of things and posters in there for things that are going to be going on. Um, can we give a little mention to the cats and the dogs and can we just say can you just try and not not to be cruel to the cats mm. and the dogs they get very upset at this time of year and I put something on the MAM's um, Ireland Facebook page today just about the fireworks and the firecrackers and there's little things that you can do to kind of prepare them in advance um, all pets they're very good at giving to tips for that but the pets get very upset so Halloween's great fun for us although I'm not mad on the old firecrackers myself I thought they were illegal but they're going they are
1: illegal I
4: they're coming off like billiome around yeah, but, but where I th- live.
1: This is the point to make. Yeah. We just checked this out today. Yeah. Uh, fireworks are still illegal yes. in Ireland. You well. must have a licence to import them. And I know they're going off where I am as well too. Yeah. But just beware that if uh, the law decides to crack down, you could find. And they are dangerous. We want to say that at this time. Unless yeah. they're supervised, they can be extremely, extremely dangerous. The dogs, dangerous.
4: All the, there's a few little dogs around me. Mm. And they are, you can really hear, they're actually distressed. Mm. They're barking their little heads off and they're running around in circles and they don't know what it is so bring them inside lock them in just bring them in and mind them yeah
1: some other free things we were talking about and we will be doing a feature here on Late Lunch Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of next week I think it's next Tuesday chestnuts. We went picking chestnuts and myself and Sinead uh, (laughs) did all the work with the chestnuts and we're playing conkers. There's a simple thing to do. Brilliant. There are chestnut trees. Go gather conkers. Get them going. Play conkers again. Bring something back from yesteryear uh, that was absolutely brilliant. Somebody wants to ask you, what does Sinead think of slime? Or what does uh, Siobhan. uh, Siobhan think of slime?
4: The devil. I mean, if you're making it yourself from home and you're creative and you don't mind if it gets stuck down the side of your couch, that's grand. If you're like me and it gets stuck down the side of your couch and when you pull it off, a bit of the leather comes with it, then it's maybe not as good. Oh my God. So I don't get on very well with slime. And my children... But, you know, you can make your own Play-Doh in the oven and you can make your own slime at home. And I think actually... I think those kind of activities are brilliant and even just baking. I, I think to do something creative with your child is the most brilliant thing that you can do and and, and it shouldn't cost you anything. Yeah. So if someone has a slime recipe, go ahead, pop We have a, we have an events and an activity section on mams.ie, put it on. And also somebody somebody was telling me that they make their own play doh with flour and something else. Um I think that was a girl Sonia Cole she does face painting and stuff could you put that up because the amount of people that have said to me how did you make that play I said well I don't know I just told you somebody else knew how to make it so if you do have a suggestion or you have an activity put it on it's free you can put let, it on there
1: let Yvonne know yeah. so slime is a no-no with Yvonne, but baking I mean and make
4: the slime yes but then put it somewhere safe and mind the slime (laughs) out in the garden dispose of the slime in a safe manner not on my couch (laughs) or my rug in the living room Uh,
1: I want to mention some other ones that always come to mind when we're talking at this time of the year don't forget Red Hesker Lake just outside Dunleer it's
0: it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
5: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile.
1: It's a lovely, lovely place, and you can go there free. Balrath Wood in County Mead, ah, out always, to the and yeah. over that way. You can't uh, knock it either. It's beautiful. And somebody else has been onto us there, but the Boyne Boardwalk. Don't forget that, Cherry. you can walk out from Drogheda mm. Town right out to Oldbridge as well. And it's free and it's a lovely walk mm. as well. There are lots of woods Another and Another free,
4: about the woods then, you got me, you reminded me, painting leaves. My children love to paint leaves so we go out we get a bucket we collect a load of leaves we bring them home we put some newspaper down on the on the breakfast bar the counter and he let them paint them and it is the most simple activity and then another one we did was we went down to the beach and we collected stones bit kind of so, stones maybe half the size of your hand And I I got inspired by this because whenever I drive through Julianstown, I think it's so gorgeous. The community is amazing how they have it just so beautiful. And where the Julianstown sign is, they have all these coloured stones all around it. And I I thought, well, wouldn't that be nice now? I have a little tree in the front garden. So we picked the stones and I let the children paint them in whatever colours. So when you come into my garden and you see the little tree there's pink, purple, green, red <laughs> uh, but you know what it's lovely and it adds a bit of character and again it's free th- you always have paint lying around anyway so yeah. but painting leaves and things like that children they love and things and remember like the that.
1: beaches if it's nice and crisp and dry beaches aren't just for summertime. Yeah, get down wellies. there walk get them rigged out for the weather get them out in the air and get them active and exercise and playing rel- there's a lot of talk well. about
4: this at the moment you know about reducing the homework and about children being sitting down too much, and I really believe when they come in from school, I want my children out playing. If it, you know, I mean, even if it's if it's raining, I'm one of one of them's quite chesty. I'm not mad. I know some people say raincoat, let them out. Once it's not raining, they're out. They're out. I want them out playing, cycling on their roller skates, whatever it is. So, like, get up and get out with your children. It's it's good for everybody if you can get out. And the beaches, you were spoiled. There's so we many are, beaches. But so listen, many. if someone has a big dog and you're on a beach and there's small children, be aware and just put the dog on a the leash, lead. please. Because one of my children is kind of afraid of mm, dogs. And lots when I of. tell you, she would run, and she ran in front of a car one day to get away from a dog that wasn't on a lead. So if it's a big dog... Just be mindful A word of small of children. There.
1: Mind them at Halloween. Pick yeah. up your proofs and that type of thing. But get out. The message today yes. is lots going on that's cost effective. Mm-hmm. You can pay as well. Loads of things for free. No excuses. Go to it. Check out uh, Mams.ie. Go to
4: Mams.ie, look at the activity section, look at the events section. There's loads of offers, events, activities, and go to Mams.ireland on the Facebook. There's tons of information. You couldn't possibly say you haven't got enough to do. I will have your head <laughs> (laughs) Full of ideas for
0: places to go.
1: Siobhan O'Neill-White from Mams.ie. Till next time. Thanks a million.
0: Pleasure. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie.
1: My next guest on Late Lunch this afternoon describes herself as an author, social activist, singer, songwriter and all-round scallywag who makes a return to LMFM after winning a competition on our breakfast show many moons ago. Yes, Taratine sang in the shower and won one. You're laughing away there, by the way, in the background. I don't know whether they can hear you. You're welcome.
6: Thank you very much, it's when was?
1: <laughs> it's lovely to have you with us as well because I'm intrigued by this. You must have been in Napa when you
6: <laughs> if it was twenty was it twenty years ago? It was actually slightly over twenty years. Was it? Ago. What Jerry, age were you? Was, I was eleven.
1: And you sang on our breakfast show I
6: did indeed
1: And what did did you sing?
6: I sang the star of the county down Did you? Oh I did And the music (laughs) in
1: the back The the shower, the water was falling in the background Yeah, yeah
6: The Foley Foley operators were flat out that day And they had the shower going for me And and I I sang away And there there was one person singing each day that week And I think I might have been one of the last On the Thursday maybe and I got word then on the Friday that I won. I think it was the first big thing I ever won, Jarius, It was Ele- a moon. Oh,
1: but well, come on, Tara. Eleven years of age and you're winning a shower. You must have taught. Would they give me something in- instead? No? Huh? Would you not want something in- instead a of the shower? Well, do you
6: know what? Actually, runners-up were meant to get, um, do you know, towels with their name embroidered on them. Okay. I wanted those
2: All oh, right. when I was 11 right. I wanted those I was just thinking that as but well but the
6: shower was put to good use you know we, ha- we had a bathroom that hadn't actually been kitted out yet and that, that and the shower the- went it in it did indeed it there did indeed. you are so, for
1: years to come then, when they were having you. a shower in your house were saying good old Tara
6: <laughs> that's it make it work for you, Jared, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I
1: love it I absolutely love it by the way Scallywag that's mm. your description of you and I was looking up the definition oh. it's a person typically a child who behaves badly, but in an amusingly mischievous rather than harm, harmful way. A type of rascal. Is that you?
6: Well, it's a great coverall term, Jerry, And mm. it, it saves me referring to myself as, as things like witch. <laughs>
5: <you know? laughs> oh, come on. You know, I can, I, can,
6: I can get up to stuff then and people yes. sort of go, I love it. She's a scallywag, let her at it, you, you know. You know, when
1: I saw that, it brought me back <laughs> because that was a saying my mum and their ilk used to use, oh, that one's a scallywag, yeah. you know. But it's, a ni- it's an endearing term. It really is a nice term.
6: Well, that's it. Um, and it gives me lots of, uh, you know, uh, stuff to work on with, material to work with, comes to writing stories and songs. There's always plenty there.
1: Uh I was doing research, a bit of research on you to find out a bit more on who you were and that. And one interesting thing you say about yourself again is that you didn't graduate from anywhere. What do you mean by that?
6: (laughs) Well, it's sort of like, it's kind of um, my response coming as a complete amateur to the Irish writing scene, you know. I haven't done any courses. Okay. I haven't aligned myself with any groups. So what? I was what? just a huge fan of reading, but I always notice, you know, one of the first things in most authors' bios is where they graduated from, you know, mm. and uh, it's usually with degrees in English literature and that, and sort of, I don't know, it was like my... my streak of dark humour, uh, my response was, you know, I didn't, I didn't graduate from anywhere, you know, but the, the School of knocks, I suppose, the no, School of Hard Knocks. let me say,
1: well, 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 maybe, and I'll tell you, there's no better school, actually, to, to educate you, but what about the School of Life? And, and, you know, all you've come across as well. I think that's the greatest educator of all.
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I I, I I, sort of lie when I say I didn't graduate at all. I did an art course for a year above in Newry in College and okay. a fantastic course it mm. was. But I knew at the end of it, you know, that it's very, very, very hard to make money in art. You have to be so committed and have a fair bit of a plan. And I wasn't just ready for that. So I decided to work instead and actually ended up probably being as broke as i would have been if i'd been an artist in the first place anyway but it gave me lots of time to think jerry yeah you know i tried lots of things over the years and um yeah tried my hand just at a lot of different pursuits as well as sort of the things i might work at and
1: but isn't that good that you actually test the water mm-hmm. and eventually you're going to come to something that absolutely. is you and what sure, you we want don't to know do
6: who we are when we leave secondary school absolutely you haven't a clue no you know and then they say you become like you nearly become a sort of new person. You're like has, has changed so much every seven years that it's nearly like it's a new life you're like you're a new person mm. um, so how are you meant to decide when you leave
1: school you can't and it compartmentalizes too many people into boxes or straight jackets Absolutely. that are actually not suited to and Absolutely. you're not going to get much out of it during yeah. your life either yeah. tell me this um, in your writing and I want to come on to your writing because mm. that's why you're here today mm-hmm. with the launch of of the new book as well It's mystical, it's magical, it's all these things, it's intriguing. The word magic, Mm. why do you put a K? Because I spell it, and it's the dictionary spelling, M-A-G-I-C, but there's a K in your one. Why?
6: Well, to me, I suppose, uh, growing up, you know, we had had the infamous Gemini, the magician around on Dock. Um, and to me, magic—the way the dictionary spells it—is—is is trickery. Mm. It's pulling rabbits out of hats, and mm. you know, I mean, very, very, very skilled people out there doing it. But it's not quite what I'm talking about. You know, magic with a K at the end to me is those synchronicities and coincidences that happen that you just couldn't have accounted for. But you know, the the course that takes place because of them then, you know, you kind of would describe it with hindsight as being magical or you know, when you, you go out for a walk and and you come across something you really just weren't expecting to find that day or a turn in the weather that turns the sky a colour you've never seen before and there's nobody else there to see it. That feels like magic. There's sparks of magic everywhere around us and I really am I'm very keen to differentiate between, you know, what like, I'm talking about. I like what
1: you're saying because you've made it, you've explained it very, very well. It's different because invention and it just adds that little bit to it you know those synchronicity, uh, uh, synchronicities get your pronunciations right uh, mm-hmm. that you talk about there in life
6: mm. we
1: come across them all the time Sinead will tell you with me we're talking about something or somebody in the phone rings and they're there yeah hey come on yeah. or an email comes in from somebody and you think What the hell? You must be psychic, Jerry.
6: (laughs) That's the only rational explanation.
1: Does this not happen to everybody?
6: (laughs) I think it does. I think it does. But I think it's about sort of, um, you know, how you choose to look at it. Some people maybe sort of, um, I suppose like spirituality has always been kind of deeply ingrained in our consciousness as people. We're always looking for patterns and looking for ways to connect things together and a greater sense of reasoning as well, you know, and why? Why? Why the things that happen? Why life? Why am I here? And um, Sometimes I think for some people these synchronicities feel like answers. For me, I don't know if they've been answers, but they've certainly made, you know, I mean, following them and sometimes choosing to see the path that they're opening up for me as as a very real possibility that can bring you down paths that you couldn't have dreamed possible otherwise. Mm. Um, So it's really down to are you the kind of person that believes in, in synchronicity and magic. I do. Or, yeah. I do. I had a feeling you were,
1: Jerry No, I, I, <laughs> I absolutely do. <laughs> I, 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 more and more, I, I believe, mm. and, and I love the, you know, conventional magic that you talked about there, mm. but those other, your magic with a K mm. are very special times mm. and moments in life as well. Do you know,
6: especially when, when things are getting as hard as they are now, Jerry? like things are very hard for an awful lot of people. The housing situation is desperate, the political political situation, not just in Ireland, is desperate. And, I mean, usually they will say that there's the incidences of things like moving statues and that sort of thing increases during times of recession and sort of, you know, economic and political hardship. Um, so maybe it's that, you know, now now that we're sort of up the creek without a paddle, we're mm. all looking for some kind of shared collective sense, a greater sense And you
1: still feel that, Tara, even though we've been spun that the world is great again and the recession is a thing of the past and mm. we're all in the clover, which I know is a, is a lie.
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. All you have to do is look around you. Mm. You know, we, we played a gig in Dublin last night and I've, I've never passed so many people in sleeping bags um, as I have done recently. And it's heartbreaking like and there's no denying it you know there's people mm. being put out of their houses every day and Yeah, it just seems to be getting worse. We don't seem to have any better choice sitting above in the doll Really, but you have a real social
1: conscience. I know this Mm. as well, don't you? Mm -hmm. You do. You are well aware of, you know, what what the reality is. Yeah, Yeah. I'd be
6: quite active. I'd be quite Mm. active. Mm. Uh, I pick and choose what I do because I find you can get exhausted so easily. You know, um, when you're an activist, people think it's all just you know keyboard warriors or going out to the odd protest or things like that. But I mean, if you're doing it properly. You're sitting researching and depending on what you're working on at the time, you can be, you know, 16 to 18 hours a day just Mm. uh, trying to keep on top of paperwork that you're accumulating and, you know, some people take it to court and they challenge things there and... It takes so much out of you. You know, anybody who's been there knows that sometimes you need months, even years, to recover from from a big action. And there's so much these days. How are you meant to choose? Mm. But you have to choose. You can't do it remember all. remember you know? what
1: you're up against as well. That's you it. Know, That's wheels, it. The wheels of... You uh, know,
6: they have a lot more resources than we the do. The
1: invisible wheel of the yes. state and power and everything you name. Let's talk about the writing. OK, so last year you published uh, Flight of Fire. OK, mm-hmm. that was the first one. Now, this series of books is called Minori Rain Trials and Tribulations. Mm -hmm. What a name, Minori Rain. Where did that come from?
6: Well, there was actually, um, it was a a murder ballad by Ewan McCall, uh, was um, about the dams of Minori. It's actually, I I believe it's a place in Scotland. Okay. And uh, it's it's a Scots Gaelic song, and uh, I sort of have this morbid fascination with murder ballads. Uh, it's just like a, a part of our musical history that I think it, we don't give anywhere near enough attention to. Uh, fascinating, because folk, mu- folk music was always kind of a way of recording stories. Mm. So I thought it very appropriate. I, th- I thought I liked the sound of the word, and you know, rain sort of signifying the teenage angst. I think very much. It yes. Suits her. It suits her.
1: So this is this woman is the main character. Yeah. And last time round in the first book, um an abusive father, she runs away. Mm-hmm. She goes to this village where life is not all mm-hmm. sweet and honey.
6: Yeah. Well you have to work, you know, you have to you have to find your, your niche first of all when when you go to the magical village of Carlin, which is where Minori Rin ends up through a series of coincidences, actually. Mm. Um, and she finds when she gets there that you, you really have to sort of find the right place. There are, the, the village is full of teachers. They're all magic workers who've been outcast from their own villages and towns around the world for being different, uh, you know, or for for being witches or doing the devil's work. And they've sort of all congregated in this naturally kind of magical place and um, they'll put up young people who land to the village sort of and they'll teach them their style of magic but you have to work in return for it you have to you know do your your chores and Mm. actually God knows what you'll get asked to do uh, living in a village like that you know so Minori shows up and begins to learn lessons about the grass always being greener on the other side you know Um, kind of learning to differentiate between what's what's really harmful and what just looks scary. Because I think for young women in particular, um, young people in general, but particularly young women, there's, there's no guidebook, nobody teaches you. Um, how to sort of discern for yourself Um, you know you're told to kind of hug everyone when you're a child and you know and and speak to everyone even if you kind of go you know I don't really know if I like that person so much. It's something you have to learn later in life and I sort of see this whole series as like um, fables for the modern age, uh, fables for young people now in saying that they're sort of they're they're a bit racy because we're dealing with you know real life stuff that teenagers get up to. So, um, it's maybe for teenagers in the old, slightly older category. But
1: isn't that interesting what you say there? Because we condition children to do and mm. and, and young mm-hmm. children especially girls to hug and be friendly, mm-hmm. and yet children have an innate. Radar yeah, that can actually absolutely. tell them with people, you know, what I don't fancy you that yes, much. I like you, absolutely. but we sort of knock that out of them. I see what you're saying, and mm-hmm. then later in life, that needs to be we relearned have to learn again. It
6: again. Yeah, and it can be it can be very hard, you know. And sometimes for some people, it takes everything to learn that lesson. Mm. So I'm trying my level best here um, to give sort of a roadmap for young people um, using things that. It might and mightn't happen to them. Some of them are more fantastical than others. But yeah. um, just to sort of, you know, to say some, sometimes you do know best, even if you're only a teenager, sometimes, maybe not mm. all the time, mm. but listen to that God instinct and learn to trust it. And, you know. Yeah,
1: I love it. I, I really do like, I, I mean this, what you're doing and what, what you're getting across here. So y- you published last year and now the second one is mm. out, the second mm-hmm. in the series called... The Rapturous Moon. Oh, yes. Can I say to you that for both of these, you did a beautiful YouTube, we'd call them trailers years ago, you know what I mean? But it is a teaser for each of the books. I love them. I love the music and, and, so the, and the way you have actually teased them out. Mm-hmm. Is that a, a, a unique type of way? Is that different to doing that? Or do people use that generically to promote books?
6: Quite a few um, authors these days who are, are keen to g- get out there. And, and maybe, you know, it's it's very hard to advertise to the Facebook generation. Everybody wants to see videos that are less than two minutes. Mm. So in order to advertise a book, um, it's a good idea to give a visual Representation I found, and if nothing else, I just really enjoy doing it. You know, I like putting videos together, and we did the theme tune for it too. So that was an excuse to pull some of the most talented musicians I know in, and mm. and
1: it comes across. May I say, it really does. So what about this one, the Rapturous Moon? It mm. continues. Is she still in the
6: village of Carlin? She's still in the village, um, still trying to settle herself down, but she's getting a bit more of a grasp on things, you know. But as always, just when you think you have your parents, you know, life will pull the rug out from under you and, and it's all gone horribly wrong you know, basically the things she's been running from since she left home and maybe even before then are starting to catch up with her now in the second book mm. um, so it gets, gets a bit dark, there's a mm. darker magic, there's a but more beautiful too. She's moved on to Derby House now. So whereas she spends the first book mainly in sort of the in small cottages uh, nestled around the mountain, now she's moved up to the grand estate home of Derby mm. House. And
1: and there's a lot more happens
6: in a that lot house more than happens meets there. the eye. Yes, For indeed sure. there is.
1: Indeed there is. You'll have to read it, folks. You can't tell you any much more today about it. But obviously, these things come from within you, within your deepest thoughts and mm. you know well
6: I've always had an inst- interest in magic myself you know and um, I've always been sort of a, a, an amateur psychologist I suppose uh, and I actually I did attempt to go and do it at university at one point but um, it sort of led me on to, you know, Carl Jung and archetypes and dreams and, you know, how these things can, even though some people don't take them very seriously, to other people they're everything, you know. And mm. I, I started then crossing the boundary into magic and, you know, studying just for the sheer interest and, um, you know, I do sometimes get referred to by certain circles
1: as a witch. <laughs>
6: She's not. She I'm didn't. not. I'm not. I swear I'm not. She did not
1: come in here on a <laughs> broom today. She doesn't have a pointy nose. Yeah,
6: it's not Double Park She either. has.
1: I will say, though, she has cast a spell on me. Yes, that's for sure. We'll give We'll give her that one, no uh, doubt. But, uh yeah, But, uh, yeah, but uh, you know, when you think of, you mention uh, psychoanalysis there, you know, the subconscious or the mm. unconscious being mm-hmm. made conscious.
6: Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very liminal place, mm. you know that place between dreams and waking time, like um, the sort of space between uh, the ocean and the land, real and the not real. And um, personally, I just love to dance around in that liminal space. You know, I mean, I'm from the borderlands. Basically, it's in me. Um, sort of, yeah, one foot in in each world. Yes. So that's that's my main drive when I'm writing.
1: Now tell me this, you are launching this coming weekend, Saturday the 27th, where?
6: I am indeed, in Roe River Books in Dundalk. Lovely. I'm so honoured to have been invited in to do that. What time? To do that. At half six in the evening and we're going to have music by Ina's Kai as well, and she'll be accompanied by Kieran Harrington okay. on the double bass.
1: Lovely, lovely. So we're that's Low River Books and it's yes. open to anybody to come it along. It is on indeed. Saturday.
6: Please do come along and meet me. I want to meet all of the um, the fans of books and of magic. And if you're gonna be in the area, please do come in and see. There'll be I think a wee wee glass of vino as why well, not? Jerry.
1: Why, why not? I'm
6: telling you. Now, if they miss that, I have a couple more of events coming up before Christmas. I have on the 9th of November in Classified Records in Dundalk, there is Woman, which is spoken word meets vinyl. I'll be doing a little reading and a few sign-ins at that. And then okay. I am doing the Christmas shopping day in Carlingford on the 4th of December, Tuesday, the 4th of December. OK, Tuesday,
1: so. we'll mention those as well near the time for you. But in the meantime, it's this Saturday, 6.30. Be there and enjoy this lovely lady. Great to meet you on the show today.
6: You too, Jay. Thank you for Thank popping you. in. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you,
1: Tara.
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drahada, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie.
1: Dublin Marathon just days away at this stage. Next Sunday and Team Carry again this year are revving up for it. It's the ninth year, would you believe it? Nine years have gone by and we've been with them all the way on late launch. Now, I want to tell you something and it's a little bit of news. There is now a movie, I'm going to call it a movie anyway, about Team Carry and it's pre- produced by the wonderful documentary and filmmaker Sarah McCann. It's called Turtles and Hares, Team Carry Marathon Runners. Sarah's with us on the show today and I also have to tell you... David, David's right-hand woman, Aileen. I think she's the boss, really. That's why they called her the sheriff. Aileen Carey is here with me as well. And Alison Harmon, I'm delighted to welcome to the show as well. She's been part of Team Carrie for years. Let's start with you, Sarah. Well, 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 I remember you came in here to film, didn't you, in this studio yeah. with us? Yeah, two years ago. Two yeah. years ago mm. on this stage. Yeah how much you spent about half an hour was it about here what does I say around about that yeah, time Yeah. what did you end up with before you started this massive editing process
7: oh god uh, <laughs> very big editing job so basically I followed Team Carrie for six months um, during 2016 which I know sounds like a hell of a long time ago um, but over those six months I pretty much went to as much as I could with them so I was up and down to the bus to every race during the race series I was in here with you I think twice once at the start at the launch and once at the end I was oh my god I interviewed David and Aileen I was over in Port I actually got into the sea with my camera and now I think about it that was a really silly thing to do but it's ended up a lovely sequence in the film because the guys do um, visits to Port Beach at the end of their mm. long runs to help the, the legs kind of relax and cool down so I literally spent I think every minute that I could that was free just shooting as much as I could with Team Carrie and I spent the entire day we left at 6 o'clock in the morning the day of the Dublin Marathon and and I spent the entire, actually, spent nine hours on the finish line, um, filming all the team carry people that came in. And I have to say, I've always said to the guys, it was one of the most amazing days of my life because there's something about being at the finish line of a marathon and just seeing people come across it. And Jerry, you see every emotion under the sun now you see some things people you know maybe getting a little bit sick or whatever because they've pushed themselves but you know there's obviously the good with the bad but you really see people at I think maybe a, a point in their lives that they've achieved something a lot of them thought they'd never achieve yes so I ended up with over 100 hours of footage to cut down into a one hour kind of TV and a TV documentary is fifty anywhere between 52 upwards um, at the moment it's at 59 minutes I still might end up having to cut a bit out if we finally get kind of a broadcast um, sorted but at the moment it's at 59 minutes so it took so much time just to go through every single piece and I suppose create kind of a narrative structure because yeah. what I was doing was I was just shooting observationally I didn't really know what was happening I was finding out who all the people were as I was filming. Um, So you kind of almost have to create your story as you're editing it together. But listen, there's such amazing characters, it wasn't a hard story to create. And I want
1: (laughs) to say, to date, this has been a labour of love for you.
7: It has, yeah. So, as you know, I'm a Dremiskan woman originally, but I've lived in Dunleer for quite a while. And I myself used to see all these people running around the roads. And I just thought it was mad that, like, I'd be driving around, trying not to hit anybody. I oh, know, money joking. But I'd be driving around the roads going, oh my God, why are all these runners out? And then I heard, actually, I listened to a fabulous documentary made by, a radio documentary made by Jerry Kelly, where you followed Team Kerry, I think, on their first year up and down mm-hmm. to the Dublin mm-hmm. Marathon. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to find out who they were. I didn't know David. I didn't know Aileen, because I suppose I'm a blow-in to Dunleer, let's say. So you're kind of getting to know everybody. And um, I used to kind of say, "Okay, who are these people? And the more I found out about Team Carrie, the more I was just convinced there's a huge story to tell. And then I read an article in the Irish Independent by a man called Frank Greeley, who was the editor of Irish Runner until quite recently, actually. And Frank, the first line of the article was, there is a TV documentary to be made about Team Carrie. And I just went, oh, here, hang on a second. I'm not the only one that thinks this. So I just said, listen, you know, I suppose I'm lucky. I lecture in the college in media. Um, I have my own company and I make radio documentaries and I've made a couple of TV docs in the past. And sometimes there's just some projects that you go, do you know what? I don't even care if I get a funder on board beforehand. There's a story here to be told. I live in Den Lear, It's in Den Lear, I'm going to start filming and just see what happens, you know. And that's pretty much what I did. So it was, you know, evenings, weekends. And I suppose that's also why it's taken so long because I was doing it on top of, The day-to-day job that pays the bills, you know what I mean?
1: Anyway, there are a number of options, just to say, that are there still for you. And we're going to talk about the uh, premiere, which is happening tomorrow evening. I'll talk about that in a moment. Let's bring Aileen Carey into the conversation. Aileen, good to see you. Thank you very much for joining us again today. Why do they call you the sheriff?
5: That's, um, I don't know. You might have to ask somebody else that. <laughs> um, I think some of them think I'm the real boss. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I don't think think is the word. I think they know you're the real <laughs> yeah. boss. So David's the deputy, is he? And you're the sheriff. Okay.
5: I'll, we I'll, we, I'll we I'll live, live with that. that. Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: absolutely. Tell me, uh, Aileen, how many Martins have you done? Um, to
5: date, I've done... Fourteen, I think. 14. Okay,
1: fourteen marathons. Yeah. And you're going again this year, yeah. this time for Dublin. I've done
5: Chicago two weeks ago and I'm doing Dublin now. All going well now on <laughs> Sunday.
1: Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Have you had a preview of Sarah's documentary? Have you seen it?
5: I have, yeah.
1: And being one of the main people <laughs> involved, yourself and David, of course, how, how do you feel about it? What do you make of it?
5: Well, I um it wasn't what I expected. Okay. I don't know why I expected, well, I didn't have an way. expectation, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yes. But um I actually found it very emotional. I think it, you know, you know you're going along life and it's grand and then suddenly you see what you're actually doing and you know, what's going on around you and what you're it's just it was very emotional. It was. I was surprised how emotional we felt
7: at the end of it she's
1: emotional at the minute well, talking about yeah, th- I think that in a way is one of the greatest compliments that could be paid to you
7: oh completely and like she has been. Very, she knows she's the sheriff and she knows that she's the deputy and in fact when you see her interview in the documentary it's <laughs> Aileen the sheriff Carrie is how she's <laughs> described um, because David would always call yes, her the sheriff and yes. it's, it's, it's obviously it, it, they almost have like I was saying almost there's characters there already so you didn't have to find them they were there but um, Aileen and David are the only two people that have actually seen it um, yes. and we I did a little screening for them I want to make sure they were obviously happy with mm. it and uh, I was kind of saying okay this still needs to be polished and you know us perfectionists go you know the colour's not grey here or the sound's not grey here you know but I knew they just wanted to see the story and then just when the lights went up at the very end because I'd been hearing <laughs> from behind me for a while for the last couple of minutes and then when the lights hit up at the end I looked around and if you don't mind me saying the two of them had a little tear and to be honest I actually went oh okay that means it works
1: Thumbs up. It is tears down, thumbs up. It's simple as that. Let me bring Alison Harmon into the conversation. Now, I'm delighted to meet you here today because I've heard your name over the
0: years (laughs) and singularly, in a a
1: very good way, but singularly failed to actually get you in front of a microphone. But I have to hand it to Sarah McCann. She's done it today. You are here with us. Why are you called the apprentice in the group?
8: I'm called The Apprentice. Okay, so we have the kitchen area where the teas and the coffees are made. And Ian Pat would call himself the catering manager. And when I arrived, I kind of stepped into a role in the kitchen. So he named, he nicknamed me, nicknamed me The Apprentice and that's that's where it's come from but when he's not there now I'm the catering manager oh
1: listen let's make that very clear you step in and take the full role on I would yeah no message look isn't the catering legendary like I go down there and I drop in a few weeks over the the course of the summer but it's so important that cup of tea or coffee it's vital
8: look team carry is what it is it's not all about running yes that is the main thing that's the core but behind it all you have the social aspect of Mm. uh, team carry and the tea and the coffee after the runs, uh, bringing the teas and coffees out to Port or out to Town after their long runs. That's as big a part of it as, yeah. you know, as the running.
1: It really Just, is. And the yeah. camaraderie and all the people who've passed through that you've met over the years as well. You run?
8: Not anymore, Jerry. You did run? I did run up until last year. How I
1: many went. marathons?
8: I've eight done.
1: And is that it?
8: That's it. I've been given my... That's it. I've 45 osteoart- no, I have it? I've arthritis on the left knee oh, right. so I was told so that, that prevents, yeah, they yeah. have said no more but I'm still there I, I still I I'm still there I arrive up every Wednesday night every Saturday I still do the teas and coffees I out in the road supporting I do the photographs unofficial photos <laughs> you know it's, yeah just to be part of yes, something it's, yeah. it's very hard to let something like that go because I'm not running it's, of it's very hard to let go of yeah, of team yeah, carry.
1: yeah, but but these people, you know, they they sum up Sarah. Like we're talking to a couple today, and you know, Aileen is such a part of it, and as well, uh, Alison, who've been there. You're you're there from the second year, weren't you? Yeah,
7: year two.
1: Yeah, so you're eight years with Team Carrie, and, and this woman's there for year nine, and so many, so many people are there from the very start and come back each year.
7: Yeah, to be honest, Jerry, I and again, I was surprised because the community aspect around Team Carrie is amazing, and I don't just mean Team Carrie; I actually mean Lear. Mm. So you'll see in the. Documentary, like Den- I think denier is just an amazing town for community spirit and support, um, and that's a blow in saying that because even if you look at the D2K cycle and everything that's happened, they were actually in a, a previous radio documentary I did last year all about mammals, middle aged men, and like her. But um, in terms of Dunlear, like when the lads start the long runs, and I suppose I didn't believe it until I saw it, and um, they go on like 10, 20 mile runs, mm. depending on you know, it progresses mm. every week. But uh, people leave out water, sweets, uh, or- cut up oranges, <laughs> they leave stuff out. So you're driving along the road and I used to, obviously it was kind of a bit of a joke. I she used to stopped follow- for sweets. <laughs> I, I stole a couple of them, I think, when I was filming one morning. <laughs> but I used to kind of drive along behind them and then in front of them. So there was always the joke mm. with some of the runners, oh, give us a lift, give us a lift. But obviously none of them would ever take <laughs> yes. a lift. But I couldn't believe the amount of food that was just left out on the roads. So you'll see the footage in the documentary yeah. hopefully tomorrow night. And hopefully if we manage to get a broadcast, we will get to see it. Um, but you'll see that, like, literally there are people just running along, beautiful summer days and then they're just stopping and having some jelly babies. And yeah. it's just random. It looks like it's just out in the middle of the road, but then you'll find out somebody maybe in one of the houses ran before or is related to somebody mm. in Team Carry yeah. or just in general supports It's team an carry, incredible, so.
1: incredible phenomenon. Now, tomorrow night's a big night. The Grove Dunlear, half past seven and uh tickets... Available yeah, so
7: at the moment we're looking, um, about, uh, we think we can fit in 150 people. Okay. And we're well, I think, at about 100, 110 now, so depending on how tickets go um, so we've been selling them online just using Eventbrite and they're still online at the moment um, you know obviously we want to cater for everybody that wants to see it but we just thought it was really important because at the end of the day Team Carrie and Dunleary you can't take one away from the other and mm. it's hopefully the film's going out now in the festival circuit I've entered it already into a couple of festivals brilliant we're still hoping for an Irish broadcast you know that takes a while to organise mm. but at the moment it's been considered by a couple of stations three
1: different parties are looking at this and I'd encourage them Do go for this. This is something unique, something special, and my God almighty people it should go to a wider audience it really should I'm I hope saying so. that yeah, It really so. really should yeah. uh, so half seven tomorrow night in the Grove Dunleer uh, 50% of the profits go into the Gary, Gary Kelly, Kelly centre yeah. again how yeah. do I order a ticket Eventbrite just yeah, go so to Yeah, so if Eventbrite. they t- go
7: into Eventbrite and just type in Team Carry or just even Dunleer into <laughs> yeah. Eventbrite it'll pop up you're
1: going to get it there yeah and, and then
7: otherwise like I said we really if people turn up the door we'll really try and care, them. care but for at the moment everybody. we are I'm not just lying we are actually starting to get towards the <laughs> okay, the, the, n- full, the, the magic number
1: yeah, there Turtles and hares is lovely because that's the way he divides it on Aileen as well. The, the yeah. turtles are the slower ones and the hares are the ones who go off and want to set the numbers as well. Over 300,000 euro race for various charities, charities yeah. approaching a thousand people who've taken part in it over the years. My God, it is sensational what has happened there. It really is. And I want to say a big hello today to Coach Ray. I know yeah. he listens in yeah. and he's such a big part, isn't he, Aileen, of everything that happens there.
5: Oh yeah, Ray and David are the main coaches there and without Ray's words of wisdom every time we go up there training and especially now next Wednesday, Ray will be all ready to give us his last words of advice before the big day.
1: Yeah, it's very, very special and nice to say hello to Ray this afternoon. Half seven tomorrow night, the Grove Dunlear World Premiere of Turtles and Hares Team Carry Marathon Runners by the wonderful Sarah McCann. I'll be there myself. I'm looking forward to it and I thank you all for joining me today. Congratulations again. Thanks, Can't Jerry. wait for Tuesday evening. Thanks Aww, a million thanks, folks. Thanks, thanks, cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much indeed. That's a lot on Late Lunch for this Monday afternoon. Eddie's up next with The Drive. We'll see you tomorrow. Have one.
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie.